there's so much good stuff and amazing research that happens, but it always falls flat on its on its face if it can't be communicated clearly, especially with audiences who aren't used to engaging with academia or for whom English is a is a second language. Storytelling, one of the most important skills a researcher could have, from visualising to crafting a story from the data. You never present raw data, we always turn it into insights. Better yet, we turn that compelling story that engages our audiences, sparks emotion and inspires action. And this brings me on to today's guest, which is Laura Evans-Hill, an ex-social researcher, now owner of Nifty Fox Creative and Pencil Pirates. Uh, I then got massively burnt out, got very, very unwell, had to leave my job, got made redundant and then had this massive kind of crisis confidence. What do I do? How do I move forward? And that's where my current company, Nifty Fox Creative, was born. Both which take your information and research complexity and create clarity using visual stories to tell our audiences what we're trying to show them. So what will we learn today? Well, there's loads of things we're going to learn in this episode with Laura. We're going to learn what people misunderstand about storytelling. We're going to learn about doodling and drawings, how to structure your storytelling and visuals. Is perfectionism actually a thing? And we're also going to learn what some of Laura's favourite drawings and visuals are. I'd love to know your thoughts and feel free if you're watching on social media or on YouTube, feel free to comment down below. Okay, let's go have a chat with Laura. as a starting point why don't you just tell everyone who who Laura Evans Hill is uh, I then got massively burnt out got very very unwell had to leave my job got made redundant and then had this massive kind of crisis confidence what do I do how do I move forward and that's where my current company Nifty Fox Creative was born um, so you've obviously come from a an academic and a research background but what made you go into a sort of a visualization and storytelling background that we see today. Fox was born out of that frustration um, that academia is notoriously crap at communicating what it means in lay terms. So that was about six yeah. years ago now that I made that decision. And Nifty has now grown from strength to strength. So we work with universities um, and international organisations all over the world, from the NHS and UK government to international parliaments, the UN, um, universities like UCLA, University of Cambridge, and We've learned so much about how we can communicate using stories and visual stories at that. So I'd say a big part of my job at Nifty is is helping academics find the story and the real meaning behind what they're doing so that we can connect it to our audiences. And clearly, I just didn't have enough on my plate running a business with a team of four and um, really busy was um, I started writing more on my personal Twitter account to kind of build up a personal brand about what I'm about. And that led to the development of um, Pencil Pirates, which is a cohort-based e-course that teaches people how to visualise their ideas in under five minutes so audiences can get them in less than a second. And that's kind of my personal vendetta to help writers, educators, teachers and researchers to communicate with clarity and use the power of visual thinking, visual storytelling to do that and to kind of take the um, mystery out of visual uh, visualization and how to use a pen and paper to draw stuff because I think it's we have so many of these inbuilt 
uh, faulty beliefs about art, creativity, communicating with doodles um, that lots of way more important people than me have written about before. Um, and I'm trying to make it more accessible and easy and break it down into a process um, because I still think some of the teaching that's out there still treats it as something that can be quite intimidating or that has to be beautiful art. And one of the things that I'm forever saying is it's not art, it's making marks with meaning. Um, and the same, you know, goes for kind of data visualization. How can we take stats and all of this research stuff and turn it into a story that makes sense? Um, so, yeah, that's in a nutshell a bit about me. Oh, and when I'm not being a nerd about that, I'm either playing basketball, playing golf, walking my dog, reading obscure fantasy novels, watching NBA. And I've recently bought an Xbox. and So that's what I'm doing when I'm not doing that kind of stuff. So obviously, it must have been a very tricky thing to do when you sort of went into that new field that you haven't really worked on before how were what was the reaction like when you went to academics with this sort of visualization and this storytelling approach that they might not have even been used to what was their sort of reaction at the start yeah i'd i'd like to have a really like battle cry like story about this about how i fought tooth and nail but the truth is how I used to teach when I worked at universities was very similar to the way that I teach now. And it was actually my ex-academic colleagues that approached me to do work for them. So Nifty Fox, uh, initially, after my very rough time leaving academia, was a completely different... I was a brand designer, graphic designer, total career change, never wanted to touch academia again. Um, and actually, it was an ex-colleague that said hey, you know those like funky little doodles you used to do when you were teaching? Can you do that to help us explain this project we've done with um, with a local organisation? And I was like, yeah, okay. And I think it, at the time it was the first time I'd charged like over four, over three figures for a project. Um, and it was if it wasn't for that one chance meeting with an ex-colleague, this whole different trajectory of Nifty would never have existed. So actually there was appetite for it I, I adapted to the need from the market and then that piece of work got a lot of attention and that started getting more people contacting Nifty for work in that vein, that visual storytelling for academia. And it's kind of just grown from there. And I guess the other thing, I do think there's appetite for it in academia. We wouldn't exist if there wasn't because funders are starting to realise that academic research can't just sit in ivory towers anymore. So there's a terrifying statistic um, from the Journal of Higher Education, that there are 2 million research articles published every single year, which averages to about 7,000 a day. And out of those 7,000 a day, half of them are only read by 10 people or less, and the other half are never read at all. So th there's this shift, I think, especially in funding and academia, that just having a published article isn't a necessarily a golden ticket to an amazing career or, or impact because it isn't. So um, there is growing demand for this work as funders, universities start to take real impact, not just the REF framework impact quite seriously. And also this need to engage with the people that you're researching. So rather than it being researching to or doing to, it's, it's researching with. So um, there's, it's a growing area, um, which we're very happy and honoured to be part of, because I think there's, a there's already a recognition from some people in academia that that's the case. And when you go into those 
meetings with academics was there any assumptions that they may make or were there any struggles in in bridging that gap between your what you're offering that storytelling approach versus the the standard sort of written journal format that we all know that sort of academics like but equally I've also been in meetings where we've had to justify you know that the worth the worth and I guess there's three big kind of a resistance to, to doing it so if I had to kind of term it that way the first is that they feel like drawings or illustrations or any kind of visualization won't make them look credible because academics love words no. right the second is well it will dilute down and dumb down the research findings and the third is that's way too creative I could never put my research through that process so whenever I'm sat in there at meetings I try and dispel those myths so you know here's through evidence so you know here's an example of some research that we visualized they ended up being picked up by policymakers, invited to give evidence and um, then scoped by a newspaper to be included in their research article their research kind of section so okay it does make you look credible because it means people can listen to you and then the second around well I can't fit my research into that style that's what you pay us for at Nifty Fox to do we're not expecting them to do any of that like we work together it's a really collaborative process so that we can break it down into those story elements and so once we kind of lift the lid on well storytelling is just finding a narrative that evokes an emotion that helps people do something and here's a framework to help you do it it's a lot easier for them and the final one the creative bit is just re framing how they see creativity because I've only ever been taught to see creativity as scary art that doesn't mean anything and actually now it's how we solve problems and communicate more effectively that is creativity so I've definitely sat in meetings where I've had to justify what we do but I try to show them rather than tell them the value of the work um, and the results that it gets and it's simply if people get what you're doing understand it and care about it they're more likely to act upon it and surely as researchers we should all be here because we want to make a difference in the world whether that's to to change climate change improve the way that we treat cancer or from a marketing research point of view sell our product more effectively to the right people and do you think we'll find that a lot of the research and the visuals that come out from academic research is going to be more like the visuals that you're you're creating for academics or do you think we'll still have those sort of journal articles that we will see for forever although i'm positive about that future there is still a really pervasive academic workload model that rewards people for publications and makes it really challenging to do meaningful impact work because they simply do not have the time in their workload so i think there's still whilst people are starting to get it and there's this shift and funders are more open to it there is still a fundamental cultural problem in academia that is around what is meaningful research. And for many, it's still publishing papers because that's how they're rewarded. And that makes sense. You're only going to do stuff you're rewarded for. So we still need this shift towards, well, what do we do research for? And a very core, you know, at its moral value, why do we do that? Um, and as a social scientist, it's to change lives positively, isn't it? Improve outcomes for people. But for some, for some academics, for some institutions, it's about driving research money. And, you know, sometimes doing research for the sake of doing research for the furthering of academic knowledge, which is not a bad thing. But I think we need to, in my opinion, shift our priorities into why we actually do research in the first place. 
So I am awful at drawing, not going to deny it. And I can't even remember the last time I had a doodle or even drew some ideas out. Do you think that's the same for, for other people in terms of actually how they draw and just not having the confidence to go forth and, and have those sort of ideas? Mm. I think the first one is that, and I've sort of mentioned this already, is the fear or the perception that it's this magical thing that only a few elite people can do or special magical authors can do. Um, and actually storytelling is inbuilt in us as humans. We do it every single day. We get home from work. We tell our loved ones how our day was. That is storytelling. We're at the pub with our friends and we're regaling them of a terribly embarrassing time that something happened. That is storytelling. So the first bit is getting people to believe that they're natural storytellers. And also, I'm, I'm being a researcher, I like to break things down into systematic, easy to follow steps. So storytelling to me initially, and probably still just to some extent, feels like this magical thing and there's a wonderful guy called uh, Dan Boyd on Twitter who is all about the magic of stories and I really need to chat to him because um, I haven't because it scares me that kind of no if I can control a story and I can control the emotion and how people respond that makes me feel comfortable um, but I'm going off on a tangent um, so it's it's getting people to realise that storytelling isn't necessarily about standing in a presentation and regaling people with the next Lord of the Rings it's actually about how can I make information relevant to people in their current context? So it's about, for me, a good story or a good story in visual terms or in a presentation gets my audience from point A to point Z in a way that's interesting, entertaining and makes me want to do something at the end of it. So I think it's dispelling the myths of what storytelling is. Like, it doesn't have to be super... Um, dramatic or kind of like thespian like it doesn't have to be like it's just making information meaningful and sharing bits of yourself whilst you're doing it I'm thinking in a presentation terms so storytelling already feels like a emotional kind of scary thing and then if we add visuals to it that's where people's minds just go no it doesn't compute because they usually say I was shit at art at school uh, art's pointless why would I do this like and what's like the biggest myth that you've heard about storytelling and doodling, would you say? There's a book called The Doodle Revolution and Sonny Brown talks about this. When you're toddlers, you're not taught that we can't draw. We just draw. But we get that beaten out of us throughout the education system. Doodling gets told off as something you shouldn't be doing on your sketchbooks and you can only write words. Words are the only credible form of knowledge. So it's actually how can we change that narrative to you know, making marks that mean something, that help communicate something is a really valuable thing to do and and really easy once you know how. It's just marks that come together to look like something and it doesn't be, it have to be the perfect atom or horse or cinema. I just have to get that that's what you mean. So that's all it is and it's the same with stories. So I guess that's the, the biggest myth is that I can't do it, only a select few can and it's this mystical process that, um I'll never learn and it's all learnable I mean I'm I don't have a, an art background I was creative as, as, a, as a kid and took art at A level but I'm not a professional artist but I've learned how to communicate clearly using marks and that's something that you know I'm probably better at now than I was two years ago three years ago even six months ago just for the process of doing it more and also teaching other people I mean so well how can I like 
retell all of the things and stories that I have about learning, you know, when when they're doing it for the first time. So I think anyone, but even like me as well, I, I love to be perfect every time and everything's got to be 100% of report and email or, or anything like that. So do you think you have to be perfect when you're you're drawing or is that just not a not a thing when you're doodling um perfectionism is the root of all evil i'm convinced of it uh so i would say you need to let go of art like we are not about making a perfect recreation of an elephant or a dog or or you know a visual metaphor what we're after is you can quickly make some marks on a page that somebody else understands what you mean because sometimes when we're saying stuff we can't see it like 65 percent of us are visual learners so how can we use that and put it onto a page so i love that you crap at art because art is not what what at nifty we're about we're about telling a visual story and especially in pencil pirates a big part of that first week is getting people to let go of being perfect and just start drawing stuff because yeah it's not art it's making marks of meaning so if you can draw something that looks like a person and make that person do something that helps me understand something more deeply then you've done your job like amazing you're you're an expert communicator not an artist um and that's that's okay like not you know you can be an expert visual communicator but not great at art like i wouldn't say i'm a very artistic person because i think that takes masses of imagination masses of training and practice but I can make stuff make sense to people. So it's not a bad thing. Perfectionism, there is no such thing as being perfect when you're making marks on paper. It will never be perfect. So if you let go of that and stop trying to make stuff look like stuff and start to think, how will I get somebody to understand this? Just shifts that whole mindset so you actually feel more confident to make the marks in the first place. And would you say there's a like a structure to storytelling? So when you're working with academics or public sector, is it like an approach that you take through to help them navigate what they really want to portray or what they want to show in those in those visuals? Yeah. So our academics that we work with, I would never ask them to pick up a pencil. Um, because I have done in in sessions where we're talking about visual style. Um, to kind of break the ice but I feel like sometimes that's a step too far for them they already feel excited but kind of nervous about working with a creative company so we, we run them through something called our nifty story matrix so we always focus on the story uh, because we can't polish a turd it doesn't matter if the most beautiful design work that we could do um it won't do anything unless the content it's built on is right. So we actually, at the beginning of every project, walk them through our nifty story matrix that just asks four key questions, which is why are we doing this and why do we need people to care? Who are we talking to and how do we want to influence them? What's the story? So what are the key messages we need to get across? And depending what they answered for number one, why are we doing this? There is a story structure that relates to usually the four whys that we do anything. So we walk them through that and kind of get all of this masses of research information into snappy points that tell a story. And then finally, what's the call to action? Like, what do we want people to do as a result of engaging with this work? And then the creative bit, they get to see all of the sketches and be part of that. We often ask them about visual metaphors that they already use when they're talking about their research. Um, Because a lot of them will talk about gardens or seas or journeys is another one, uh, buildings. So they were already 
using visual language and visual metaphors to explain what they do anyway. Um, and then they get to be part of that whole creative process. So we guide them the whole way, but it all comes back to that, that story matrix that we use. So that's kind of how, how we do it. And I'm presuming this really does depend on the, the audience the visuals are for. So whether it's for young individuals, family members, other academics, I'm presuming the, the content and the visuals got to appeal to that particular type of audience as well. Although the process is the same, the outcomes are different. So depending on who that audience is, will change A, the narrative that we're telling, because as we said, storytelling is about relating it to the person you're talking to. So that, that that narrative will change, but also our visual style will change. So whilst, you know, the nifty brand is quite um, hand drawn and very illustrative, you know, we can go quite clean and framework like in how we explain things. Um, so, you know, we, we operate on that spectrum of clear, slick, really, I don't know if you've seen visualized value on Twitter, kind of frameworks that look a bit like that, right? Th- yeah, right through to you know, an illustrated comic. So we kind of work out where that audience needs us to sit on that continuum to get the most impact. And then that's how the visual style is kind of pulled together through that. So if I wanted to start drawing and I wanted to have a a doodle, where where do you think I should start? Have you got any most recent content or ideas where I can take some hints and tips and try and steal some of your, yeah, some of your ideas as well? Well, there's a, if you look, through my tweet, I think my pinned tweet actually, there's a kind of how to draw in 90 seconds. Start there because you're not trying to draw a thing, you're trying to build it out of shapes. So there's lots of books and research out there that, you know, if you can draw lines and squares and triangles and circles, all you need to do is join them together into something that looks like something. So if you start there and start using that visual alphabet um, and then give yourself permission to be shit, because you will be a bit ropey to begin with because you're you're exercising a skill that you've not used for a long time but don't be afraid to publish it because we all start somewhere like I look back on my first you know illustrations for nifty or first live illustrations so live scribing and just think that is really really shocking (laughs) and I can't believe somebody paid me to do that um but it's you know it's just learning through doing I guess and what would you say your sort of best visuals that you can think of for a a client do any sort of come to mind yeah so there's there's two that spring to mind one for a well two that's for a client relatively recently and one that i posted on twitter because i wasn't going to post it because i thought it was a bit a bit crap and then everybody loved it was the ones for clients where we do a lot of kind of graphic comics and we did one around um welfare claimants during covid and that was quite a heavy topic with people you know really emotive experiences um and that one was i was really proud of because it was really there was a lot of back and forth with the research team there was lots of engagement with real people's experiences um and i think the end product was was really smashing and actually got them a lot of coverage for their research project i've also done another one recently on the experiences of young people during lockdown um, with Newcastle Uni and that was that I, I enjoyed that because it helped me learn something um, so often it's not always about the visual product at the end it's actually the process of what I learn throughout doing it and that was um, really interesting and then the personal one I drew what goes on in a creative brain um, and it was the first time I've been really inspired by 
an illustrator called Tom Gould recently, and also another one who I can't read his name. I will think of it in a minute. Um, and they go for this really like simple and really elegant kind of visual style. And I was quite inspired by seeing some of his drawings. And I drew this head of the creative brain and then it looked like little people kind of running around our brain doing different things. And I just did it as for fun, really. It's the first time in a very long time that I've created something for fun because I just wanted to. And that got a lot of interaction on Twitter and, and Instagram. So that was nice to to pull on the emotional side of storytelling, actually sharing some of my own struggles and vulnerability as a way to connect with other people. So they're probably the more recent ones. There's lots of other ones um, that I'm proud of. Oh, one more that, that actually... I feel that made a difference was we did some work with um, Public Health England and the National Centre for Sports and Exercise Medicine here in Sheffield around um, keeping fit in COVID for people who were digitally excluded and older people. And we created a visual booklet of all of the things that they could do to keep active and healthy. And that ended up going to over 2 million people nationwide. And we got some really beautiful like letters from older people some of them went on the radio to say how much that guide helped them during lockdown to keep them healthy and, and made it really simple and easy so in terms of things that I was like really proud of to know that I've made a difference at a time when it was quite scary for all of us in that April of the first lockdown um, that's probably one of the ones I'm most proud of and all of the work we did around Covid to help improve you know, vaccine awareness and kind of community support. So it was, you know, what the visuals did for people, I think, um, just simply by communicating effectively. So we used to think about sort of doodling and, and drawing as a, like a hobby, didn't we? So you would do it after work or in your free time, but now you're doing it for your sort of full-time job. So so how do you balance the your full-time job, but then also thinking outside of, of work? So to, yeah, just think not about work and other things and part of your life it can be really hard because I used to be creative as a hobby, right? And to relax. And now it's my job. It can be really hard to keep up that, that momentum. So from a, from a productivity point of view, process and discipline helps me be creative. So, you know, we follow a very similar process with each client. You get to see patterns in data. So you see, I see a lot of patterns across lots of the research that we deal with and lots of clients in public sector too. So you kind of get a sense of the stories that are being told. Um, and uh, taking a break, <laughs> ignoring it for a bit. And also I found doing Pencil Pirates and having something quite separate initially to Nifty really valuable because I've had to find different ways to explain things I had the free reign to visualize stuff how I wanted to it didn't have to always fit into the nifty brand and that's actually helped me be a better designer within nifty because I've given myself permission to play a bit more so actually there is you know time and space which when you're running a business and it's quite intense isn't always what you can afford yourself um but drawing stuff completely out of your wheelhouse and I also like um when we have research that's quite emotive and hard, like statistically hard to get your head around, because that means that you have to stretch what you thought was possible creatively. And that that's really uh, keeps you creative. And talk to me about Pencil Pirates. So I see so much on social media about Pencil Pirates and, and how many people you're actually helping with 
with the visuals but yeah why don't you tell us a little bit about about the program and how it's helping you personally from your personal brand too pencil pirate community has taught me to ask for help a bit more and ask for feedback um because it's just myself and three of the members of my team you know we, we all know each other and know our style so sometimes it's quite hard to get constructive feedback so actually reaching out and go hey can you tell me what shit about this piece of work please so that i can make it better um and that you know that's been really valuable it happened today I, we're changing the pencil pirates logo and i put my i crowdsourced it with the pencil pirates they gave me two options out of the six i shared with them that i really liked develop that and then they um i put the final logo up i was like what do we think of this it's like pretty much there and then aida one of our awesome pirates said oh if you just tweak this one little bit i think it will make it like 10 percent better and it was like it was the smallest color change but it was so impactful so even small things like that just not being afraid to ask for feedback um and actually it's quite refreshing to have your work ripped apart sometimes because you learn that's how you learn um so yeah that's that's kind of how i stay creative it's not easy um and i just try to do stuff you know i I work out a lot i'm obsessed with lifting heavy things but you know playing golf doing stupid xbox stuff traveling meeting new people and all of those other things to keep your creative juices flowing but routine and discipline and process is actually the cornerstone of it so today i actually learned that you don't have to be perfect at drawing to create visuals and you just have to try and, and, and visualise what, what you're thinking, plus all sorts of other words of wisdom from Laura today. So thanks so much to Laura for speaking today. And if you want to get in touch with her, feel free to go on social media at Evans Nifty or niftycreative.com. If you like the show, then please do let me know if that's a review on the podcast, sharing the podcast with others, or just let me know in a private message. Mm-hmm.